Motorcycle Madhouse, and today we're gonna be diving deep in the U.S. versus Mongols. Despite the initial trademark win, there was an amendment filed by Steve Welk to the government's initial request to strip the trademark of the Mongols. The amendment filed by Steve Welk and his merry band of Gestapo soldiers seeks to elevate the concerns that Judge Carter ruled were unconstitutional. Okay? Yeah, they're trying to backdoor here. Before we get into that, let's take a look at the history of what is happening in the case. What I'm about to talk about is that it, this is from an article from Double D. Someone who is always fighting for motorcyclists and club rights. If you haven't checked out the Motorcycle Profiling Project's website, then I suggest heading over there and getting informed on the issues that are happening right now. The recent decision by Judge Carter in U.S. versus Mogul Nation that the First and Eighth Amendments to the U.S. Constitution prohibits the government's request to seize the collective membership marks of the Mongols MC, including their club name Patch and Center Patch, is a victory for all. A victory that should be discussed and celebrated. However, the MPP also believe that part of this discussion should focus on other implications to Judge Carter's decision. Implications that aren't being discussed because the focus has understandably been on the patch forfeiture. What other implications are there? Beyond the issues of forfeiture, a brand new strategy to target motorcycle clubs under RICO has been born and legally confirmed. The ideal that a motorcycle club can be indicted under RICO as an entity, regardless of other members' personal guilt for crimes committed by individuals already punished for these crimes. This should be equally alarming. Everyone. Although the government can't take a club's patch, they can seize a club's property and, and impose a huge fine. What else could the government do with this new theory of prosecution? It's, the, the possibilities are limitless, people. A brief history in the government's more than a decade 
long mission to take the Mongols MC collective membership marks and property bearing those marks, they stumbled upon a new theory of prosecution after previous attempts to take the patch were ultimately unsuccessful. The Ninth Circuit, or Ninth Circus, ruled that the government couldn't take patches and property from members of the club that had not been indicted because the First Amendment would be violated. Now, that's one of the biggest things the Ninth Circus ever got right right there. And However, the court provided the blueprint for the government's next move. Go figure, a court provides a blueprint. The court concluded that the Mongol Nation, the unincorporated association that owns the collective membership marks in question, would have to be indicted as an entity for the theory to work. So this is your nice circus court. And that's exactly what the U.S. attorney decided to do. U.S. vs. Mongol Nation has been the most recent result of the government's new strategy. The Mongol Nation as an entity, entity, defined as full-patched members of the club, was charged and found guilty by a federal jury of racketeering and conspiracy to engage in racketeering under the famous RICO statue. That jury also granted the government's request for forfeiture of the collective membership marks, which Judge Carter set aside for constitutional reasons. So they got two of the three. Double D goes on. However, Judge Carter upheld the jury's decision to convict and conditionally granted forfeiture of seized property. Specific items to be seized will be decided at a sentencing hearing, and that was on the 24th of 2019. There was an amendment filed to this. They can't take a club's patch, but the guilty verdict on, MC, on the MC as an entity upheld. Although Carter doesn't believe the government can take a club's collective membership marks, he, quote, he, quote, agrees with the government that an unincorporated association, including the Mongol nation, can be held liable for each predicated act alleged in the indictment, end quote. The predicated acts in the indictment include everything from drugs to assault and murder charges. Now, mind you, this has been going on 10 years, and this is what this case has been uh, based on. He goes on, the court sees no meaningful distinction between corporate criminal responsibility and liability of unincorporated associations. The Supreme Court addressed the criminal liability of a partnership and specifically held that, quote, the business entity cannot be left free to break the law because the law, or 
because it's owners, let's put it that way. Stockholders, partners do not participate in the infraction and quote some big legal mumble jumble for you guys out there. But pay attention to it. It is not enough that various members and associates of a motorcycle club are involved in spontaneous criminal acts as an individual or a small group of individuals. In other words, the spontaneous rogue acts of individual members and associates, which they are rogue acts, do not create guilt for an association. I've always said it. It's always rogue that go out there and do stuff. It is not the entire club sanctioning this stuff. What element is required to find association guilty of RICO? An implied connection to leadership is enough, quote, to the extent that an illegal act was committed at the express or implied direction of leadership of the defendant Mongol nation. The entity may be found guilty. This is entirely consistent with corporate criminal responsibility and is precisely what Congress intended in passing RICO, which expressly targets criminal organizations. And that's an end quote. RICO, yeah. It was originally uh, went after for the mob. Double D goes. The concerning terms, quote, implied direction of the leadership, end quote. Further analysis of Carter's decision may shed some light. Carter argues that Congress may constitutionally impose criminal liability upon an entity for acts of its agents. Quote, such liability may attach without proof, that's pretty bad, without proof, that the conduct was within the agent's actual authority, and even though it may have been contrary to ins uh, express instructions, end quote. Carter also argues that it's not necessary for the government to prove that the act was authorized by the entity formally or in writing. That's pretty messed up right there. You hear that? Sounds like the government has a very low threshold of proof to establish that an act was committed, quote, at the implied direction of the leadership, end quote. So the burden of proof is just went way down for the government. So what sentence will the judge impose? Judge Carter has been very explicit about what he intends to do on the 24th. This is past. Carter writes, The Mago Nation is guilty of substantive while RICO and RICO conspiracies. The criminal organization is subject to sentencing, fines, and criminal forfeiture consistent with this order. You always see how it comes in with this criminal forfeiture kind of uh, garbage and this junk. Items to be uh, forfeited include weapons, ammunition, body armor, and related items originally seized during the ATF raids. This was like over 10 years ago. Double D goes on. This comes as no surprise to the MPP as it seems consistent with other RICO forfeitures. However, 
Sentencing fines for criminal liability are not in, explained in depth. How much can they be fined? Are there limits? Who pays the fine? The leadership? The membership? This is all new case law coming out of here. New stuff, man. And after this, you'll see a video about a trademark where a square talks about it. So he goes on, what will the sentences be in the future? Independent of sentencing fines, asset forfeitures, what else could the government seek in terms of criminal liability when a club is indicted as an entity? Double D goes, I'm not sure. People may have a solid answer to this question, but I think the question is definitely worth exploring. After a club is found guilty as an entity under RICO, can the government feasibly or obtain an order against any member of the club possessing or carrying a firearm? The answer may vary depending on what state you are in, but even the very pro-Second Amendment state of Texas is revoking gun rights from individuals solely for membership in a motorcycle club <laughs> that they distinguish to be a gang. The sky may not be falling, but possible impacts to gun rights are at least possibility, particularly in, quote, may issue states. <laughs> the Democrats are going to love this one if it comes out. Maybe that's their whole freaking point. Uh, what about employment, he goes on to say. An individual without a criminal record is a member of an entity found guilty under RICO of racketeering and racketeering conspiracy. Does their employment contract require that all employees not have a criminal record? This is some good stuff there, Double D, man. Real good stuff. Real good freaking things to think about, man. Could it be argued that they now are in violation of their employment contracts, he goes on to say? This is a lot of questions, people, and why you got to get involved in this fight. There is no way to predict what the federal government will be doing moving forward with a newfound strategy of targeting a motorcycle club as an entity under RICO, which the Ninth Circuit gave them the plan for. But there are reasons to believe that whatever strategy authorities employ will not advance civil liberties. Who could have predicted the strategy to completely redefine the First Amendment before they initially tried to take the Mongols MC's patch? Who would have predicted the government's initial success? Who would have predicted that nearly 200 individuals in Waco would be arrested on generic affidavits and incarcerated on $1 to $2 million bail bonds instead of being questioned and released? Who would have guessed an individual could be arrested for unlawful carry in Texas as an LTC holder solely, solely for being a member of a motorcycle club. 
<laughs> you would have never thought you'd see that in the Lone Star State. The Constitution does not seem to be a barrier in the decision-making calculus of authorities at all intent on targeting motorcycle clubs. Now, after the commercial break, we're going to talk about Steve Welk and who he is, and it's going to be a fun one. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Need your daily dose of biker news? Then what are you waiting for? Visit HarleyLiberty.com and keep up to date with all the happenings in the biker scene. And wait, there's more. Insane Throttle Biker News is now on Instagram. Come on over and give us a follow and get special video content not seen elsewhere on the net. Just type in Insane Throttle Biker News in the search bar. In your face, all over the place. We're online 24-7-24-7. Hi, this is James Hollywood Machikari, host of Motorcycle Madhouse on over 20 different platforms worldwide. Insane Throttle Biker News and Motorcycle Madhouse is now opening up its platforms to advertising opportunities for businesses who would like to get in front of a worldwide audience. We now have exclusive sponsorships and supporting sponsorships available. Our team at Insane Throttle Publications will work to make sure your brand gets the notice it deserves. Most companies claim the work for companies to get the brand name out where Insane Throttle actually shows the result. Stop throwing your advertising dollars away on old media platforms and get in the new age of media and reach hundreds of thousands worldwide. Our exclusive sponsorship will receive regular spots on the upcoming New American Rebel TV premiering on Roco January 1st, 2020. Give us a call at 312-899-6720 and learn how Insane Throttle can help you get your business to the next level. We have an ad package that fits everyone's budget. Brand new. Creating a holy radio experience for you. Motorcycle Madhouse with James Hollywood Macho Yep, yep, good to go. Welcome back to the Madhouse, and I want to thank Double D again for that article and keeping up the fight. You're doing awesome, man. So, who is Steve Welk? Steve Welk is the Chief Asset Forfeiture Officer, AUSA. Welk has been prosecuting civil and criminal asset forfeiture cases for the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Central District of California since 1995 and has been chief of the section again since 2001. AUSA Welk provides training to prosecutors and members of law enforcement throughout the country on federal money and it's forfeiture. I can't believe this guy. Oh my God. That's why he's involved in this case. In 2011, he received the Attorney General's Distinguished Service Award for his work on the RICO prosecution of more than 80 members of the Mongols Outlaw Motorcycle Club. 
He received this BA degree from the University of Southern Cal and his JD from Pepperdine University School of Law. U.S. Attorney's Office is based out of Los Angeles and he collected over... (laughs) He collected over $317 million in criminal and civil actions during fiscal year of 2018. That's just in 2018 alone he collected. So let's take a look at an article from the LA Times. And it discusses a lot within this article. Uh, Nikella Tihana announced that the United States Attorney's Office for the Central District of California collected $317 million in criminal, civil, and forfeiture actions in fiscal year 28. That's why they got their superstar on this case. And he's, he, he's, he gets out there, man, let me tell you. Including the amount of $317 million collected during the fiscal year that ended September 30th, of 2018, more than $61 million of restitution and fines ordered in criminal cases. The majority of this money was owed to victims of federal crimes, and some of the money helps fund programs that support victim services as part of its commitment to collecting restitution owed to the victims. That according to the United States Attorney's Office, and they have in this freaking state shown consistent annual increases in the amount of money collected in the area. And last year's $61.2 million is more than double the amount recovered in 2016. Sounds like the business is in, uh, you know, the business of collecting uh, money from its citizens. The collections last year included over $235 million worth of assets forfeited to the United States for crimes committed both here and abroad. I wonder if they got Al-Qaeda in this one. Anyway, including more than $100 million recovered as part of the ongoing 1M... EB International Kleptocracy Investigation, whatever that means, fancy words, I guess. Prosecutors in the asset forfeiture section also collected millions of dollars, including cash, numerous high-end collectible vehicles, and residential properties, Uh, one including from a parking lot operator who defrauded the uh, Veterans Administration and he went to uh, forfeit his cash, and uh, the profe- I guess the proceeds of that property will be sold and uh, deposited into the Department of Justice Asset Forfeiture Fund. And that money is used, so they say, to compensate crime victims and fund a variety of law enforcement activities, including federal task forces, and educational incentives. So you see why they're so hardcore going out there and busting people? They got to have their existence. They got to have their money coming in. The balance of the money collected during the preceding fiscal year, $21.2 million, was secured through civil enforcement matters in which prosecutors recovered 
Federal funds lost primarily through fraud or misconduct. And yeah, boy, they got their golden boy on this case, don't they? Additionally, the officers, or the office, my fault, Civil Division worked with other U.S. Attorney's Office and colleagues in Washington to collect an additional $162 million in civil cases that were pursued in conjunction with the other Department of Justice components, a figure that includes $65 million settlement with Prime Healthcare Services and its chief executive officer to resolve allegations of Medicare fraud. They put a good spin on it, don't they? They always put that spin on it. <laughs> Quote, We are focused on securing restitution for crime victims. They're Elliot Nesses! Recovering taxpayer money obtained by fraud and stripping criminals of their ill-gotten gains. This is according to the uh, United States Attorney Nick Hanna. The hundreds of millions of dollars we recovered in 2018 stands as a tribute to the tenacity and hard work of our prosecutors and staff. Now you can see why, again, they have him on the Mongols case. That's Steve Welk. He's the the top earner, but it's legally. It's legally obtained, according to them. The United States Attorney's Office for the Central District of California is based in Los Angeles and has a branch in Santa Ana and Riverside. Currently, 275 assistant United States attorneys serve about 20 million people who reside in the counties of Los Angeles, Orange, Riverside, San Bernardino, Ventura, Santa Barbara, and San Luis Abstapos. <laughs> they got a whole crack team of freaking uh, lawyers on getting that money, man, let me tell you. The lawyers in the financial litigation section in the civil division headed by Assistant United States Attorney Cameron Banks collect restitution fines, civil settlements, penalties, and defaulted federal loans owed to victims of federal crimes and to the United States. Those efforts include locating and securing debtors' assets through investigation, discovery, and enforcement actions. Holy cow, you never would think our uh, government was in the process of, uh, or in the business of freaking getting uh, money from its own citizens. Again, this is disturbing. The prosecutors in the criminal division's asset forfeiture section, led by Assistant State's Attorney Eve Welk, are responsible for handling all civil and criminal forfeiture matters. These attorneys work closely with federal investigating agencies and task forces in the district and elsewhere to deprive criminals and their organizations of the proceeds generated by their illicit activities and the property used to facilitate those crimes. 
It's probably no wonder they were all upset with that Supreme Court decision about asset forfeiture. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) There's where your tax dollars are going, people. There's where it is freaking going. These people are out there to make money. It is a business. And I am so glad the Supreme Court stepped in with that decision about asset forfeitures and excessive amounts that it comes with. But I don't see it slowing them down, people. That's who Steve Welk is. That's why they have him on the Mongols case. That's why he filed that amend, or, uh, amendment to the affidavit to try to get around the judge's uh, concerns about uh, the First Amendment and other amendment issues for the Constitution. So, yeah, he's a smartass, he's an Elliot Ness, and he's going to keep on going. You should be really, really pissed about how this government is. You really should. This is a government is not supposed to go out there and try to make money off of its citizens. They are doing this profiling stuff so they can stay in business and keep their jobs. Remember that. Coming up, we're going to hear from. uh, We dug up this thing about the, the Texas criminal code in which they use to justify pulling over club members down in Texas. It's going to piss you right off, let me tell you. In your face, all over the place. We're online 24-7, 24-7. You're listening to the hottest internet station. Hi, I'm James Hollywood Machikari, and my new book, The New Age of Biking and Brotherhood. In it, I address many issues facing the modern biker and motorcycle club member. The subjects covered are non-politically correct, and many issues are exposed that will rock the biker scene. I will expose some of those people who claim to be biker experts and others I expose for what they are doing to the scene for personal gain. This book is sure to light the internet ablaze. The exact reason why I chose to write this book in the first place. Hopefully in some small way this book will help people make some changes to the club scene before it's too late. Hot shit. Hot shit. Here it comes. Are we ready? Before we get into the code that we found out in Texas that they're using, I wanted to play a short clip of a video from the trademark factory in which they're discussing the Mongols patch case and how even citizens find it outrageous that the government is trying to do this to a motorcycle club. Well, it's better enough when the government is uh, inserting itself in the economics and tells people and companies what they can and cannot own. Uh, And uh, it's worse in this case because this makes absolutely no sense from the trademarking perspective. So let's assume the government wins. Let's assume the uh, club forfeits its trademark. What exactly does that mean? Is the government going to step in and say, now we own this brand? 
Well, the problem with that idea is that you have to actively use a trademark to not lose the rights in it. Otherwise, anybody can cancel it. And I really doubt that the government plans to step in and run a motorcycle club. <laughs> and like I said, if they don't, it's fair game for anyone to request cancellation of that trademark. If they don't want to own that trademark and they just want to cancel the registration, what's to stop this company or any other company or even individual members from applying for the same trademark again? And if the, even if they don't, even if they don't, there's still common law rights in the brand. So apparently it's a well-known logo. If it's a well-known logo, then even without registration, you still have some rights called common law trademark rights to enforce it against anybody else, any other motorcycle club or similar organization from using a similar logo in connection with their business, with their services, with their products, with their clothing. So not only is this action by the government uh, mean, it's also inefficient because really it will not be able to accomplish the goal it's trying to accomplish. And yes, the, the good point here is that just because they cancel the trademark doesn't mean that people can't wear clothing with that trademark. So it's a pretty embarrassing situation, I guess, for the government. Yeah, so whoever thought this was a good idea, uh, I don't think they properly weighed all the pros and cons of this now let's take a look at the famous law that uh, cops are using down in Texas to justify pulling over club members the way they are. Here is the legal mandate that requires cops to profile people. A. Subject to subsection B a criminal justice agency or a juvenile justice agency shall compile criminal information into an intelligence database for the purpose of investigating or prosecuting the criminal activities of criminal combination of criminal street gangs and it goes on to some other stuff. You know, I'm just going to give you, you know, the gist of it. B, a law enforcement agency in a municipality with a population of 50,000 or more in a county or in a county with a population of 100,000 or more shall compile and maintain in a local and regional intelligence database criminal information relating to a criminal street gang as provided by subsection A, the information must be comply, compiled and maintained in accordance with the criminal intelligence systems operating policies established under 28 CFR section 23.1 ET sequence and the submission criteria established under subsection C. <laughs> so this is the way they're doing it. Now let's go on.
criminal information collected under this chapter relating to a criminal street gang must one be relevant to the identification of an organization that is reasonably suspected of involvement in criminal activity. <laughs> How broad that one is, ain't it? How broad. And consistent of a judgment under any law that includes as a finding or as an ele element of a criminal offense participating in a criminal street gang. This is what they're putting motorcycle club uh, patch holders under now. This is what they're using as their basis. A self-admission by the individual of a criminal street gang membership that is made during a judicial proceeding or C, except as provided by subsection D, any of the two of the following. A self-admission, again, by the individual of a criminal street gang membership that is not made during a judicial proceeding, including the use of the internet or other electronic format or medium to post photographs or other documentation identifying the individual as a member of a criminal street gang. And I thought Texas was the state of freedom, man. Holy cow. An identification of the individual as a criminal street gang member by a reliable informant, now they're by an informant or other individual, <laughs> a collaborate or corroborated identification of the individual as a criminal street gang member by an informant again or other individual. I had to read that twice because I could not freaking believe that they're actually letting freaking informants now identify people. But it was supposed to be up to law enforcement, so I had to read that twice for you. Evidence that the individual frequents a documented area of a criminal gang and associates with a known criminal street gang member. Now, you don't even have to be a member. Just because you're a supporter, they can do it to you now. <laughs> Evidence that an individual uses in more than an incidental manner criminal street gang dress, hand tattoos, uh, hand signals, symbols, including expressions of letters, numbers, words, marks, how or the means by which the symbols are displayed that are associated with criminal street gang that operates in an area frequented by the individual. Now, that is their basis of pulling over motorists, of being able to take people off their motorcycles and photographing them. That's your government work, people. And you citizens are going to tell me that you support a law enforcement officer making that decision right there on the spot. If you do, something's wrong with you. Better yet, you know what? We're going to go into the Ask Hollywood section, and we're going to talk more about this 
especially after this question that I received. First, I want to thank Double D for all the hard work that he does for the Motorcycle Profiling Project. Can't wait to meet you down in Orlando at uh, the convention of uh, clubs, uh, National Co Coalition of Motorcyclists in Orlando. Next week, uh, it's May, what is it, 10th and the 11th. I will be there Friday and Saturday. So if you guys want, get your butts down there, uh, help support the cause, get in the fight and learn something. They got some awesome, awesome seminars coming up. One on Waco, and another one is actually pertaining to the, uh, the Mongols case, so I can't wait to get over there and get edumacated and uh, learn uh, a lot more so I can bring it to you guys. Uh, everything that I learned down there, it is so uh, exciting to go ahead and be at this convention and uh, be up there with uh, all those uh, men of honor, as I call it, the men that uh, really made the club scene and the biker lifestyle as a whole what it is today jr uh reed uh you know rest in peace he was sons of silence he will be in a lifetime achievement award as well as uh a bunch of other freaking people uh great stuff smitty from the outlaws mc is going to be getting an award and uh yeah, it's going to be a good time down there. Good time and a lot of education to be able to bring back to you guys. Hopefully I get some uh, good interviews and uh, open your eye, uh, eyes to really what is happening, not only in the club scene, but on the streets in general. See, the one previous video, you even, uh, it was the Trademark Factory, even brought up the concerns civilians have of the government overreach. When I talk on here, yeah, it's bike related and stuff like that. But you also got to remember, even if you're not a club member, this affects you. And this is one of the main reasons why you want to get in the fight. Right now, our government is not functioning whatsoever. Everybody's blasting each other, depending on what side of the aisle you're on. What you know, leave it to them in their bubbles to do what they got to do because it's all a dog and pony show with them people anyway. But when it comes to your rights, you have to get involved in the fight. It don't take five minutes to put a phone call to your representative. It don't take 20 minutes to write an email and, you know, tell them this ain't right. You know, you're not supportive of this. They need to, re you know, represent your interest as not only a biker, but as an American citizen. Now, this Ask Hollywood question came on a previous video, and it was the three things you needed to know about LEMCs. Now, I don't hold the most popular opinion anymore, anyway, of uh, Leo's. You know, I know this new age of biker, you know, they're all PC, and they think, well, not all of them are uh, bad, and you're just categorizing them. Get the hell out of here, man. A Leo's a Leo. Anyway, uh, the question is, uh, how can you say all LEMC and the members who are cops in the clubs are all hypocrites? 
I, you, uh, he has to learn how to spell, by the way. You p- please stop lumping all of us in the same group. Uh, looks like you're a freaking cop. LEMC show more respect to the MC world than any other group. Yes, you just heard it. LEMC supposedly shows more respect to the MC world than any other group. There are good cops and bad cops, just like MC members. There's good MC members and bad MC members. If you break the law and I stop you, I don't care what club you are in. If a citation is needed to be issued, then I will issue a citation. If you, what is he, a hall monitor? If you don't want to support LEMC, that is fine. LEMC won't support OMG. Well, we already knew that. <laughs> LEMC will respect all MCs. If you are going to make a video about a LEMC, first understand what a LMEC is. Oh boy, do I know what that one is. Uh, don't get half the story out, he says. <laughs> uh, basically goes on, I know you need viewers, why the hell can't you be fat? You know what? We have so many fucking people that follow us over on HarleyLiberty.com. This is a fun thing that we do uh, over on YouTube and all that crap. Our radio shows, our main thing, and HarleyLiberty.com. We are actually shooting our radio show right now as I'm doing this. So get off that one. Uh, the MCs who show no respect to the MC world is the firefighters MCs. But I guess they get a pass because they are firefighters. Let me address some of the points in here right now. Firefighters rule. They are cool as hell. They're the ones running into the building when we're running our asses out. I love firefighters to death. They are the guardian angels for me anyway. You know, I've had the seizure problem. I love firefighters. They have nothing but respect for me. And you guys rock. Now, Leo, on the other hand, you're hypocrites. You are plain and simple hypocrites. You complain about OMGs, as you call it, or one percenters all the time, calling them all criminals, even though the statistics for this is way out of whack. There is more cops, more cops that are arrested and busted than OMG, as you call it, or one percenters are. So here's where the hypocrisy comes in when it comes to LEMCs. Make your mind up of who you are. You want to bust everybody while you're on duty, but when you're off duty, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe your old lady don't look at you like a man or something. You have to be, uh, you know, get in the all outlaw biker grub work and all that kind of stuff. You got to get your nice little leathers, and then you throw on a three-piece patch Something that you guys complain about all the time as being criminal, but you're hypocrites and you want to be like them, so you throw your little three-piece patch on. So that's where the hypocrisy comes in. You don't know who you are. You're either going to be a cop or you're going to be a biker. The two usually do not mix too well. Now, you can be a cop and motorcycle enthusiast, but when you throw on a patch with a state rocker, you know what you're doing. 
And if you look at 98% of the comments on that video, it seems like a lot of people agree with my stance. Maybe there ain't that many uh, PC bikers out there after all, I guess. But uh, they stand right behind that video. So as half-truths, no. Here's what I do know. And I've seen it, uh, you know, hundreds of times when I go to some events that uh, these LEMCs are at. They will go out there and drink and act like they're all that. And next thing you know, when they get slapped, they're pulling the badges out. They're calling the cops, their buddies, and arresting people. So if you want to put on a patch, well, you know, the ideal behind it is you might want to learn how to back it up without calling your blue buddies. Okay? So... I am. Are you guys still disturbed with his freaking point about firefighters? You know what? I love firefighters to death, and you know what? I know cops and firefighters usually don't get along that good as it is, but you're an asshole for saying that about firefighters. You really are. Now, let's go a little bit more into your question. LEMC show more respect to the MC world than any other group. You are full of crap. I was just on the previous segment talking about how the Texas Penal Code encourages you people to actually pull over and profile biker clubs. Am I wrong? It's right there in black and white. It's kind of hard to dispute that fact now, isn't it? It's right there in front of you that this is what's going on. Then you got a guy like Dum Dum over Mr. Wizard over at the Law Abiding Biker. Well, profile it don't exist. It don't happen. And get the hell out of here. Snoopy over there was involved in a lawsuit that went to the Ninth Circuit Court for profiling a black guy. So don't tell me profiling ain't going on with you cops. You know it is. You know, that little star on your little, you know, chest right there, that's what gives you you know, this power trip, to say you're more respectful to the MC world. Did you watch that uh, three things you need to know about LEMCs? Did you see at the end of the video where the profiling stop happened? The cop didn't know. He was a jerk off, if you ask me. Uh, you know what? Hopefully uh, the clubs, and this ain't my place to say, you might want to start telling some of these members, especially ones that, you know, the clubs ain't big and stuff. Don't talk to cops, man. Name, birthday, I want a lawyer if something's going on. You don't have to answer these cops' questions. You don't. You know, learn about AIM. Get involved with the Confederation of Clubs and understand your rights. You know, just because some cops bring in a freaking prick on the side of the road don't mean you give up your rights as an American citizen. You've got to remember... Many, 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 many veterans over the decades and over the last 200 and some odd years sacrificed their lives for those rights that you have. So you do not have to give them up just because somebody's wearing a tin freaking badge. A tin badge. You don't have to do that. So, hopefully, I answered this question. Now, USA uh, Today has a database where you, that has 85,000 police officers who are on disciplinary and got fired. All kinds of good stuff. All kinds of good stuff. 85,000. Holy cow. 85,000. Just think about that. And 
the blue gang has the nerve to say, well, you know, you know, that's just, we got more people than, you know, the gangs are the, you know, the clubs do. We got more. We got more. Oh, you were put in a position of power and you abused your power. And you do it almost on a daily basis when you put that badge on because you want to act like you're all that. You ever notice when some, you, you know, you get pulled over and they're automatically got that freaking attitude towards you? Like they're, you know, they're superior? Yeah, uh-uh. So, anyway, that's my reply to you. And, you know, don't know what to tell you, man. You know, this channel has been always known for its position on law enforcement. And then it's something that's never, ever going to change. Ever. Uh-uh. 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 It's just, you're hypocrites. Get used to it. <laughs> well, it's a happy 50th anniversary to Hupie and Abraham. Thank you for your guys' support. Happy anniversary, Hupie and Abraham. Happy 50th anniversary, Hupie and Abraham from Trogsum C, Wisconsin. Thanks for everything you do for bikers. Happy 50th anniversary to Hupie and Abraham. Happy 50th anniversary. Hupie and Abraham, thanks for all your support for Abeta, Wisconsin, both legislatively and financially, and happy 50th anniversary. Congrats on 50 years to Hupie and Abraham. Right now, we have uh, China Doll in the room. We're going to give a quick update of what we're going to be talking about on Monday. Didn't have her sitting on the show today because yesterday she had a family tragedy. We're going to dedicate the show to Colleen Ekstrom, her sister-in-law. Uh, she uh, passed away last night from breast cancer after a two-year fight. Uh, welcome aboard, China. Hi. How you doing? Tired. <laughs> well, you should be tired after last night, everything you were going through. I did get her stoned as hell last night, and I wish I had my camera out. You know, it was a sad night, but uh, boy, when she gets high, let me tell you. <laughs> my tongue is tingling. My mouth is tingling. <laughs> Actually, I said my mouth hole. In my throat hole. <laughs> yeah, we gave her some medical grade last night, some indica, and boy, did, uh, you know, she has a lot of trouble sleeping. I said, enough of this, man. You're smoking a joint. <laughs> so, yeah, she's smoking a joint from now on from Dr. Hollywood. But coming up Monday, we're going to be talking about, uh, oh, look at that, that thing fell, talking about uh, AJ and some of the other abuse cases that are happening around the country and what you can do to get involved to uh, help alleviate that uh, type of uh, stuff. That AJ thing is all over the news here. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. But uh, so that is a quick update with China. Just wanted to bring her on for a couple minutes and uh, let you guys know what we're going to be talking about Monday. So with that, after uh, this little break, uh, I'll be back. We'll take some uh, phone calls and uh, get into some discussion about the topic we had today. Same throttle biker news and motorcycle madhouse is now opening up its platforms to advertising opportunities for businesses who would like to get in front of a worldwide audience. We now have exclusive sponsorships and supporting sponsorships available. Our team at Insane Throttle Publications will work to make sure your brand gets the notice it deserves. 
firms. Most companies claim to work for companies to get the brand name out where Insane Throttle actually shows the result. Stop throwing your advertising dollars away on old media platforms and get in the new age of media and reach hundreds of thousands worldwide. Our exclusive sponsorship will receive regular spots on the upcoming New American Rebel TV premiering on Roku January 1st, 2020. Give us a call at 312-899-6720 and learn how Insane Throttle can help you get your business to the next level. We have an ad package that fits everyone's budget. Brand new. Telling terrible stories. Creating a holy radio experience for you. Where's the command house? James Hollywood Montessori. Yep, yep. Good to go. It's Hollywood. Final thoughts. That part of the show where Hollywood gives his thoughts on the subjects that were discussed during the show. Are we ready? Lots of information to digest, I know. But what people need to know is it's time to get into the fight. Anyone claiming to be a biker or a supporter of motorcycle clubs, this is a fight that needs to be fought. Let's take a look at some of the facts here. You had a United States appeals court give the government a roadmap on how to take down American citizens. You had a district court judge basically say it was all right to level fines and punishment against an entire organization. Guess it doesn't matter that those members of the organization didn't do anything wrong. But because they claim membership in the organization, the government is going after what they have and what they're responsible for. I have no clue, but that does not make any sense to me. How do you, how do you hold somebody responsible for somebody else's actions? How scary of a notion is that? Let's put it another way. You're a member of the Loyal Order of Moose. A few of its members commit some crimes, and now the government uses RICO against them. The members were found guilty under RICO statute as an entity, instead of those who committed a crime. Your First Amendment rights are now called in the question because you're a member and can be held liable. This doesn't sound like you're able to be a part of an organization of your choosing, now does it? The Mongols case, it's not just for them. It's not just about them. This case is about every American citizen. The more we give the government the authority over our lives, the more our basic rights will be trampled on. Here's a question for everyone listening. Why do you think civilian organizations are filing briefs in this case and talking openly about how this could affect personal liberties? It's not because they like the Mongols or have anything to do with them. It's because they know when precedent is set in a case, it has wide-ranging consequences on everyone. It doesn't matter if you're a biker or not. It don't matter if you like the Mongols or not. This issue can and will affect you on a personal level. Oh my god, what I really find sad is the fact that there's only a few of us in the biker entertainment field talking about issues 
like the Mongols case and motorcycle profiling. These issues, at the very least, should be a slam dunk where everyone covers them. Sadly, it's human nature to let others do the fighting. Sadly, money will always trump what is right to fight for. My challenge, my challenge to all those who claim to be biker entertainers, get into the fight. Dedicate at least a segment of your show to these important issues. Educate your audience on what is happening in the scene and how it affects them. If you cannot dedicate one segment of your show to these issues, then what good are you? Really, what good are you? Do you think all those rallies and parties will keep going if these types of issues are not addressed? Get into the fight and stand for something you claim to be. Don't let others do the fighting for you. That's just my two cents. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Motorcycle Madhouse. Don't forget to go over to Insane Throttle's new YouTube channel and also get your daily dose of biker news every morning at HarleyLiberty.com. If you haven't done so already, go like the new Motorcycle Madhouse Facebook page. And until next week, I'm James Hollywood Machikari. And remember, keep that throttle crack wide open.